You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, David Hall, filling in for Mike. He'll be here a little bit shortly. He's doing a work thing. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are most of the usual characters, Gregory Hectus. What's up, everybody? Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. Justin Pearson. Howdy, my friends. And special guest, teammate Joe Owen. On the show today, we will review the controversial finish to the Coke race at Nashville Speedway. We will look at the butt kicker world of Outlaws late model as they kick off their season opener. We'll show you where you can get the track guide for Spa. And did we see the top speed record on iRacing? Also, we're going to have an in-house review of the G-Seat. And just remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics that we'll be discussing by going to iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So log in and we'll see you then. All right. Although it would normally be covered maybe in the hardware section, we're going to go ahead and uh, let Joe get get to talk about the GC. I'm envious, envious, envious. That's all I can say, Joe. Uh the only reason I don't don't get it is um, I really think my seat's comfortable, and I'm worried if it would be less comfortable. Uh, well, I can say the comfortability uh, is definitely not there. It, 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 if you're happy with yours, it it's, will probably be best. But, yeah, it's not comfortable at all. Very nice, and it does the job, but it's not comfortable at all. So it's a it's a completely standalone seat, correct? And you just attach it to the rig, just like you would any other racing seat. Yeah, um, it comes in a, a big box hooked to a crate, very well uh, packaged. Um, uh, communication back and forth with them is excellent. Um, I got it from Sim Experience. Uh, I think it was like thirty two hundred dollars, um, but. What they what they explain on the internet, what it says it does, it does. It makes your car come to life. I mean, it's worth every penny to me. It's uncomfortable, but it's worth every penny. What set you down this path, Joe? Like, what made you look into? Because you obviously bought a whole bunch of things at that time. Yeah, and I've been wanting to upgrade, you know, for a few years, and I've had my eye on that seat, and I was like, well, if I I had the butt kickers on my rig, and I was like, well, if I got the Forgot the seat. That would make it a little bit more real. Um, and then I was like, well, hell, I, instead of going with the the seat, I went with the seat and uh, the DK2 Plus uh, motion uh, rig. So you have effectively replaced uh, Brian as our big spender. Uh, well, possibly because uh, the DK2 uh, Plus system uh oh god yo that's that's a must-have if if you can afford it it's a must-have so when you're in it what what do you particularly notice uh as as you're as you're feeling the different inputs that say an, an average ovals rack how can you describe it um before i put motion on just the gc um it gives you the 
uh, G-forces that you're looking for in your turns. And people don't realize that whenever you are actually driving a car down the road that you use your butt muscles and back muscles more than you realize. And that's how when they talk about um, driving by the seat of your pants, that feel, that seat of the pants feel, once you feel that, that's what you feel in your car. Well, that's what the GC brings to your sim rig. What uh, software does it work with? Uh, sim experience. Um, it has, that's what the GC works off of. Now, the motion that has, that came from a company out of California of, of uh, Sigma. No question. Sorry, it was it was it was it was Sim- Sigma Integral is where it come from. Go ahead, Justin. Sorry, I didn't mean to catch you in the middle. Question. Now, the reason why I want butt kickers is because I think I would feel slides more, tire slip, and oval racing. Does that help with that? Do you help catch slides with that seat? Uh, yes, <laughs> you can feel the car try to come out from up under you before you can actually see it. I mean, it, it's, it's that in tuned. Whenever you come off the corners and you start sliding, you you I can definitely catch the car a whole lot faster because I can feel it a whole lot more with the seat. Joe, can you tell, I guess, uh, obviously, any of our listeners that might not have heard us talk about this, we've talked about it a lot, but anyone that hasn't, really heard about it what does the gc really do mechanically wise as what's it doing to your body as you're 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 driving say around a corner or over a bump or something like that okay it has two big panels in the bottom of the seat and two big panels in the back of the seat and they're designed i guess where they hit right on the pressure points of your body to let you know and give you the feedback that you're looking for whenever you're driving down the road. So whenever you're going into a turn and you feel your body in your real car, you know, is going to the, if you're making a right-hand turn, you, you know, your body is swinging over to the left. And what that does, you're creating that G-force right there. And the G-seat actually picks you up a little bit on the um, left side so it gives you that G-force feeling. When you hit bumps, you'll feel it. Uh, the rocker panel, I mean, you'll feel a, a quick bump in it. Um, if it's a bumpy track, uh, and if you got it cranked up, it will beat you. <laughs> it, you, uh, you literally uh, will get out sore, I can tell you that. Joe, did you um, get the G-belt yet for that, or is that something you're thinking of getting as well? Uh, I looked at it, but I, I decided not to get that. I have uh, um, seat belts on my regular racing seat belts on the, that I hooked to it. And really, that's all I need because the motion that I have hooked to my uh, chassis um, will give you probably the same effect as the uh, G Force built thing, I would imagine. To- do they rec? I don't, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Do they recommend having a set of belts either way with the G seat, or is it something you can kind of get away without it? Uh, I've seen them with them, videos with them, and I've seen them without them. So, I mean, if you just want the um, just the feeling of it, you know, 
you can probably get away with it without having a belt. To, to me, the belts, when it, I tighten down on them, it, it puts you suck in the seat, you know, like, like you're supposed to be uh, in a race car and you can feel every little thing going down the track. Now, I know David was saying about comfortability earlier that he, you know, he's pretty comfortable with his seat. Now, when you're tightening your belts down like that, is that what co- contributes to you maybe feeling sore and stuff afterwards because you're so locked into it? Uh, no, I had uh, ran it with loose belts and tighter belts. And the seat, literally, I, I think that's the one of the biggest cons that I came across on dozens of things that I looked at uh, from other uh, uh, sim pods and stuff. And um, the comfortability is, is definitely needs something to be worked with. I mean, it's got a little padding in it. I believe it's a Kirby uh, cover that's on it. Um, but the padding, it needs more in it. Um, I did add padding to it. I put a, like a gel uh, memory foam uh, thing down in the bottom, and I figured that might would take some of the feel away, but no, it, it didn't. So it, it's it's good to go. Well, in my Sparko seat, what's make it, what makes it comfortable is that it it doesn't let pressure points form when when I'm when I'm seated. Um, like when I used to sit in my office chair before I got the rig, if I ran an endurance race or any kind of really long race, I would just my basically tailbone would start to hurt and that doesn't happen with this but it's not it's not so much that it's cushioned it's that it my weight is evenly distributed all the way up and down my leg instead of sitting in kind of one part is with the way it leans and everything right yeah the 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 seat itself is an actual kirky racing seat aluminum full full aluminum seat so it's 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 kind of like a like a dirt track type of seat and um, it's it's definitely not made for comfort. <laughs> no, no, it definitely is. Podfather's in the building. Hey, I made it. Now the, the I motion part, the motion part on there is a different story. Y'all definitely have to get that if you can ever afford it. So my question, Joe, about your motion and your seat and all this stuff you've added. Is it all too much at some point? Are you in the middle of a race thinking sensory overload? I wish this rig was stationary so I could focus on driving. Actually, no. I, it, it, it brings, it's just like you just went out there and got in a race car and went around the track with this thing. Yeah, I can. So it's about I immersion. I can definitely concur with that because. I turned everything off when I was having issues with the sim crashing just to make sure it wasn't a peripheral problem. And it felt so weird to not have any kind of input at all. It was just, it was completely different. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. These, these actuators that I, um, from the company I found in California, um, they back their stuff and they're huge. Um, the president, of the company, actually, I talked to him. That's what sold me on it. I talked to him directly, and he's the one that sold me on the buying these um, because everything is American-made. The motors are made in uh, New York. Uh, other parts are made other places here in the United States. And um, as far as using them, 
Um, he said, you probably won't have to rebuild them until they're about 10 years old if you use them really, really, really heavy. So what we do, I mean, we're probably not using it real heavy and I can't crank it up because if I had done that and I put a hole in my wall because I had a little too close to the wall and when you wreck and you got the thing cranked up, it's valid. I mean, it, it's very, very valid. That's the same thing that had Steve Thompson, right? He put a hole in his wall one time. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't think it was due to him. But, but, you know, the difference between the actuators I got, because I, I was looking at the D-Box. Well, this guy here, Peter, um, at this um, other company, uh, Insignia, he used to work for D-Box. So him and another engineer set out on their own and came up with the DK and then the T DK2 Plus. So believe it or not, all the other companies around that I've checked and I, I searched a lot, they're only offering an inch and a half of travel like D-Box. You know, D-Box will for an inch and a half of travel, but you're looking at the brackets after you buy the brackets and the actuators and you get the rest of the stuff, you're looking at $8,600 just for that. The ones I bought, the ones I bought came with everything. The actuators have two inches of travel and it comes with everything signed, sealed, delivered at your door for, I think it was, give me one second. I'll tell you to the T. Joe, have you tried like a rally cross or dirt road trucks like the pro four oh, trucks, yeah. you know, something crazy? Oh yeah. It was $6,800 for everything um, for as the motion part. But yeah, I've tried it on all the tracks, road cars, awesome. The uh, mud trucks where you're jumping, oh yeah, that's, that's really awesome because you can feel the tires come off the ground. When you hit the whole rig, it drops. I mean, it, it's it's killer. <laughs> you got to get it. You, you just got to get it. I just wish all y'all lived closer. You can feel that two inch drop. Like they literally are, you're up in the air and it drops the whole rig two inches physically. And you can feel that in the stomach, you know, the pit of your stomach, right? Oh yeah. I mean, she, she will rock you. <laughs> I just wish y'all live closer because you can come and try it out. Cause it's, it's unbelievable. I was just thinking about everyone's different journey in iRacing. I mean, you got people who just have very simple setups that are stationary. And then I think the next step is haptics on top of that, like a butt kicker or a transducer. And that's the next level. And so then what's the next level is like where you guys, you and Brian have gone, you know, where you add motion into the mix. Uh, I think right now my rig, I probably got about $23,000 kind of things to it. So, I'm in it for the rest of my life anyway, and, you know, I'll never get the opportunity to go and get in a real stock car and drive it, you know, like we do. So, if I can't do it that way, I can do it this way. Well, you, you haven't been once, shy. Right? Yeah, you haven't been shy about spending your money now. Have you thought about those active pedals? Thought about the, the which one? The semi-cube active pedals, they're like six grand for a set of three. 
No, actually, my Rigmo Tech uh, hydraulic pedals, man, I actually like them. They 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 do pretty good. So I'm I'm about as far as I'm going to take it. If I do anything else, it's probably going to uh, well, I'm probably going to get ready to put a new power supply and motherboard and CPU in my computer. But other than that, I I just put a 4070 ti in it uh last month month before last something like that yeah remind me are you vr or triple no i'm vr okay and she come to life that's like i said with the motion and being in vr and getting in this thing you just lose yourself it's it's just that real well there you have it the gc uh report in-house from joe i wish i wish we had access to all these you know like some of the youtubers do but uh we were lucky this time to have joe actually go ahead and buy it be able to tell us about it we'll just keep getting joe to buy stuff for us and then we'll just get him to review it yeah the uh insignia uh dk2 are the uh, uh is the motion rig that's the separate from the uh the sim seat uh, Joe, one more question. Um, lately, we've seen a new product um, in the last couple months, uh, three different versions from di three different places of just a platform. It's just a flat, like a imagine a piece of plywood, and the motion is attached to that, and then you just put like a regular rig on top of it. Uh, what do you think of that? You know, concept for motion. How, is that any better or worse than what you got, and why? Uh, yeah, that that wouldn't be a good idea to put something on plywood and <laughs> go that way. The the difference with you know trying to put something one thing under like the uh, next level the um their seat oh, the flip thing, their, right yeah their standalone uh, seat where it just moves your your seat your steering wheel your rig and everything else staying stationary. Just like uh, if you put your whole rig on top of a platform, it's just going to move in certain directions where other things that you're going to miss that you um, can't feel with four actuators on there, one on each corner representing a tire. Because one, it has the butt kickers built into them, so you don't have to worry about having a separate butt kicker stuff. So they're built into them, and they will knock your feelings out of your mouth quick you can adjust all your yaw and everything else with the the motion rig that i have to where you can fine tune it into where you feel everything that you like to feel it's like going to the racetrack basically and say okay mike here's a, a gen 6 car set it up the way you like it to run it the way you like it to run it and that's what you can do the software is very easy it's pretty much plug and play and loads of fun. So, I mean, it, it just gives you a whole lot more feeling with four versus putting your whole thing on top of one uh, platform because you can determine each wheel. You can feel each wheel, what each wheel is doing If I, and shock, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I, I follow you. I mean, the platform I'm talking about is like a, a flat, like a six by eight piece of wood or imagine a six by eight plywood and then it does have like a d box on each corner uh that moves each corner up and down so yeah, i think you still get that four 
uh, four-wheel effect with the platform, but I like the idea that D-Box integrated in, in as well. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That, that sets it apart for sure. I may have to go motion one day. I'm, I'm still a stationary cockpit with haptics, but um, that would be the next step, maybe one day. Right. I can tell you the motion rig that I got, them guys, most of your other companies, they give you one year warranty and, you know, pretty much got to pull your hair out trying to get to um, their support. Well, this company right here, if it rings at the company, and nobody picks it up. It rings to the owners, the president of this company's cell phone. If he can't talk to you, you can leave a message or send him a text message. That man will call you back. And I mean, their support is great. And they give you two years warranty on this versus one bumper to bumper. Sounds like a great experience. So uh, yeah, also check in. Oh that. yeah, it is. Well worth it. All right, Joe, thank you for coming in and letting us know about that. And good luck in your next race, mate. Thank y'all. Y'all have a wonderful evening. Honeycutt is among the growing list of drivers who have turned iRacing or turned to iRacing for driver development in recent years. William Byron, Ty Majeski, they have used the service to uh, perfect their race crafts before embarking on their own successful careers. Others like Josh Berry, Timmy Hill, and Parker Redcliffe, they have all competed in the E NASCAR iRacing series since its inception in 2011. Pretty cool article from NASCAR.com about Caden. And so, um, man, I mean, this guy is like all over the place. He, you know, he's in the trucks, he's in the Xfinity, you know, he's in the Coke series. And in, in iRacing, he's actually in, we'll talk about this later, but he's in the world of outlaw late model, the dirt cars. He's in that championship series. How does he have time for that? I mean, if I was a NASCAR driver or trying to break into NASCAR, Man, I mean, you and then you're like signing up for these professional sim racing, you know, op, you know, tournaments or whatever you want to call them. I, I, I don't know. I would just be focused on my my job. I would think. I guess it might depend on how much time he has to spend in meetings at the shop and um, sponsor obligations. But you know, most of the drivers, their family time ends up being during the week, right? Or their, their, their free time ends up being a little bit more during the week since they're working all the weekends. Well, they, well, they also would be during, it's more like operations hours. So like nine to five for when the driver's in, like at the shop or something. I don't think he puts in a lot of overtime hours unless he's choosing to, depending on where he's racing. And in his role, like he's probably got nights are free or whatever he's trying to do or just hone his craft in, right? Yeah, I mean, Casey Kane has time to go race every short track in America, right? Or Kyle Larson. Yeah, yeah and I, I kind of think this shows the kind of importance that he places on racing, you know, as, as being an important tool for him. Um, otherwise, you know, if you're looking to cut stuff out to, you know, to create more free time with your family or whatever, and if iRacing wasn't something that, you know, honed your craft then it would probably be something he would cut out right you think so i just like hearing stories 
I just love hearing stories like this. You know, it, it makes the driver closer to us, you know, experience wise, you know, like Van Steffen was in our practice race. Uh, and I, you know, that was so exciting to me. I just think it brings us closer together to the drivers, gives more opportunity to the sim and NASCAR itself. He was in the NIS race. In fact, last night he ran in the top split and, uh, yeah, every time he passed somebody, I think he got, I don't, he ended up in the back for some reason and a lap down and got it back. But, but every time he passed, you know, he didn't have to do it with, with stupid driving. He just, he would just walk right past you cleanly makes us feel more connected that's what i was trying to say well it's it's the, it's the ultimate vip experience in a way right it's a place for us to to get to interact with them without it being uh unsafe all right mike we had a coke race this week boy did we uh how about this um you know it was a good race it really boiled down to the end there a late restart you know you had a guy with no tires you had a guy with new tires coming and it was just a matter, could he hold him off? And so it was Jimmy Mullis on the old tires and Garrett Maines coming on the new tires. And and we've seen Garrett, you know, uh, a few times in contention to win this year. And boy, I thought for sure he was going to get it this time. Was it Maines or the classic. It was, uh, it was Garrett Lowe. Oh, is it Garrett Lowe? Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, he ends up uh, giving him the old bump. Uh, a little bit, uh, get him a little loose. He we went to go to his outside, but he protect the the guy in front protected the bottom. Uh, did kind of a crossover move there, but got up alongside of him. Uh, and then the guy with no tires basically gave him the old, you know, uh, bump and run kind of thing. Not just once, but twice, and that put the guy to the wall. And that was just enough for the leader to get to the line and win it. So Jimmy Mullis wins his uh, first win of the year. Um, after several good runs lately. Now, what do you guys think about the the contact there for the win? I mean, we had a, a tweet afterward from uh, owner uh, Jim Beaver, not too happy at all about it. Uh, he thought it was uh, out of line for sure. He put, if this was real NASCAR, this team owner would be throwing punches. I said what I said. Jimmy Mullis, your time will come. Let's be honest. Does anyone really throw punches much, especially owners in uh, the the NASCAR? You don't see owners ever getting out of shape or even being on the mic after a race if something goes wrong. So he's kind of crap in that motor. The only only owner I could think that would actually come up to the mic right after a race would be, uh, uh, what's his name, the owner of uh, Chastain. I'm Justin Marks. Justin Marks there, yeah. Hold my watch. Yeah, well, that was one time. Um, it's dirty, and what's funny is they'll they'll come after you for intentionally wrecking, you know, to 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 police something, an act like this, but they'll let you do this act. So, and, and this was in, in basically intentionally knocking the guy out of the out of the way. Um, so is one okay in the? I, I kind of wonder why one is okay and the other is not. You're either going to enforce contact that's not accidental or you're not. Look, when it's the last lap, though, it I want to say anything goes. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not a the sanctioning body by any means, but 
you know, in the spirit of how NASCAR works, uh, that was legit. Now, does this kind of get close to what I, it's not totally the same thing, but what happened to Larson and Denny Hamlin this season where I know the 46 car got loose or got up into, uh, uh, the, the car on the outside there, um, and forced them to the wall, but the exit of the corner, I can't, and I know Brian, you said that there was a better, I haven't had a chance to go back to YouTube and look at it, but does, is it just because he's up in the wall that's where he got him or is there from that view what does it look like um he was trying to do did he force him to go towards the wall more no no he was uh garrett was right up against uh up against the wall and uh jimmy mullins came up and uh he was even out of the turn pretty much and went up and just hit him like at the very back corner of his quarter panel i mean it was almost his bumper that he hit him on to get him get, to get him upset it wasn't he wasn't side by side he didn't he didn't uh not leave him room he he came up and just right just hook. wiggled him yeah he, he wiggled him just to just because he could Maybe but don't, just because that's what but, he had to do but but don't right hook a guy yeah wow it was a left hook if you think about it exactly yeah but he did it where he didn't actually hook him. I mean, it got him upset, hit him, put him in the wall a bit. But you know, he, he did. I, you know, Jimmy Mullis is a is a veteran in this series. You got to say that, and he knows he was on older tires, and he knows he was going to lose that race unless he made that move. He knows he has to win to get into the playoffs because it is win to get in here. And so he did what had to be done. And, and so, uh, yeah, veteran move. Well, if you read this tweet from Justin Malo, um, he did what he needed to do to make, uh, make it to victory lane for the first time in 36 races. Jimmy Mullis now sits five points below the top 20 cutoff. You have to, yeah, it's going to be in top 20 and uh, have a win. Yeah. So he's got a, you know, that helps that even more, right? Yeah, well, sure. But he's got to have a few more good runs, yeah, to make it. And see, it, uh, I think Garrett Lowe's perfectly in 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 justified to make sure he doesn't have a few good runs. Yeah, I agree. And to me, I don't know. I have a problem with he's. I'm not going to win unless I wreck this guy. That's how I'm going to win is by wrecking this guy. I I don't ha I don't like that at all. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's the long-standing history of NASCAR, but to me, if you can't beat a guy, you can't beat him. If he's faster than you, he's faster than you. If if the only way to beat get by him is to wreck him, then I don't think that's that's good racecraft at all. Or if you're going to let him contact, back. it's close. But if you're going to let him make contact, you can't let the other guy turn around and not let the other guy make contact. Now here's the bigger. Now he went to the outside. Did he put himself in a vulnerable spot to have no. contact? No. This was this was set up on the back stretch, I believe. Uh, Jimmy Mullis was on the on the up against the wall and purposely went low, so that back he would bottom. have to pass him high. So he would have to pass him on the high end and 
when you're when you're trying to pass high and you're on uh, old tires, you know you're going to go right into the wall by yourself, right? So he knew that he was low. If he goes, if he if he starts drifting because he's tight because he's got old tires, he's going to drift into him. He was going to he 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 set it up to use him as a cushion, I believe. And that wasn't that wasn't the worst part. That that was that happened in the middle of turn three and four, uh, and that was not the worst part. The worst part is when they exited. The guy was almost a complete car length in front of him, and then he and he tapped his you know he hooked his right left left rear in order to get by him. So, do you think the car that was on the uh, Garrett Lowe should have been? instead of going high into the court, like he obviously, he knows that he's going to put himself in a vulnerable position. We all know if you go high on someone that has no tires, you are in a vulnerable position. Should he have just gone down to the bottom and followed him when he blocked it that far? Or because he had that run, he probably would have, he would have have said like, you could have set yourself up by maybe, maybe you put the bumper to him going in the corner. If he makes that block. Well, and and the post race interview was very telling too, because uh, Derek Lowe did say, you know, uh, you know, I, I was going to race him clean to the finish, and then I expected that from him, but I didn't get it basically. So, um, and he was really upset in the interview. Um, you know, basically said that you know his days of running clean with that car are over, <laughs> so he's not going to race him clean anymore. Well, to Greg's point. Um... Your, your, your reputation gets tainted by how you race. I'm not, you know, when I say it was a good move, I mean, it was a good move to win the race, but it's not a good move for your reputation. Like now he's going to be known as, you know, Hey, I, I will wreck this guy to win kind of thing. When Jimmy's reputation before this race was really a clean racer, I think, wasn't it him and uh, Keegan Leahy, you know, fought it out one year or maybe it was, was the um, other guy. Zach it was Novak. a clean race. Oh yeah, that was Zach Novak. But that was clean racing. I mean, those guys you know, for the championship. Each other. That was everything right. on the line. That was the entire season on the line in that one turn. Well, and they right. both I, made clean. I agree with you, Mike. Like, I'm not advocating for what he did. I'm just trying to say, you know, sometimes you get put in a bad situation and it, it turns out bad. And I don't blame. Um, him for being mad for what happened. If he got wrecked, he got wrecked. It sucks. I just was trying to point out like there is options and we all, you know, we all make choices of how we're going to race. He chose that he was going to be a clean racer and the other guy chose that he wasn't. Um, and now he knows what uh, nice he's got to do for the rest of the season, right? Nice guys finished last or third in this case anyway. Is that where he, he, he ended up finishing third? He didn't get second? Yeah, he got third. Yeah, interesting race. I, I I'd recommend anybody if you didn't watch it, just go to YouTube, I Racing's channel, and you can go right to the end if you want. You can see the finish, you can see the replays, and you can see the interviews. Because another thing in the interviews, um, um, he's he basically said I would do the same thing again. He didn't really <laughs> he didn't really have any kind of second thoughts about doing any other option. So one more thing I want to call out. We did, we did find a replay at the end of the race, but I had to go looking for it. You know, I, I had to find Alan Kavana, who was one of the announcers. He put up a video of the end of the race, but iRacing did not. NASCAR did not. Nobody else associated with the Coke series put up anything to do with the race besides just a, a, a you know, a, a standard picture of the car that won. And I think, you know, this was kind of iRacing's way of, 
maybe frowning upon the way that this race was won by let's not promote this pr speaks yeah. a thousand words there i think you're and right then, yeah i think you're right because they had some really good races that were clean but you know a little bit of beating and banging but nothing dirty and they promoted it pretty heavy so i think you're right right Mike. I, I think this was purposely not uh, not promoted so do you think brian if they would have gone into that turn they would have had the little bit of bumping in the middle of the corner and not the thing at the end that would be a highlight for that series race wow. even if they get yeah. Uh, yeah right i think so all right well here's a, a standings wrap up real quick i'm going to just give you the top five in fifth certain currently this is just the point standings this is not the playoff set standings casey Kerwin sitting in fifth tucker mentor is in fourth uh, Jordy Lopez is in third. Nick Ottinger is um, sitting in second. And currently leading is Mike Conti. In the wins column, Mike Mike has two. Lopez has one. Minter has two. Kerwin has two. This is Conti's farewell season too, right? Yes. As Stephen nice Wilson if he won has, it. Stephen Wilson also has one win. And that's everybody in the top 20 that have a win. I, I don't know. With NASCAR's and Coke race series, you know, the way they end the, the championship with one race, four guys, you know, I, I've never been a fan of that. I, I wish it'd just be a straight up points championship. Well, and like, like, what are we going to be watching now? Are we going to be watching the battle for someone getting wins to get into the playoffs? Are we going to watch now Jimmy Wallen, see if he makes it in the top 20 to make it into the playoffs? Do you like the World Series or the Super Bowl? Yeah. They play one game, right, for the championship. I I, I understand uh, why they do it. Yeah. Didn't didn't uh, New England go sixteen and zero and then get beat by the Giants, and then they weren't the champions. They won the regular season, but they weren't the champions. Lost the Super Bowl. They were like seventeen and zero. So it's um, you got to win when it counts. Anyway, uh, speaking of winning when it counts, if, sometimes if you win when it counts, you might get on the iRacing highlights of the week, Brian. Yeah, so uh, they had, I think it was five or six um, highlights from the week. A couple of really good LMP races that um, um, they had a whole lap at Watkins Glen that was really close. Um, two guys just going back and forth. It was really good. Um, they had um, a, a, crash, a truck series truck that uh, at Talladega, I believe it was, that went from 16th to 1st on one lap. A really good race in there, too. So uh, a lot of stuff like that. Um, um, I did like I did like the LMP stuff. It was really interesting, especially that side-by-side -side action. It was, the, the way those guys were working around lap traffic because it was a multi-class race was just really impressive. I'm just loving the Talladega uh, replay at the end. I think it's Arca car. Uh, there's three wide and the guy's like, well, you know what? I'm going to make the, what I call the new middle. And that's like, okay, it, it, where the middle lane is in between the middle and the top, I'm going to make a new lane. And sure enough, he, he, he shoves it in there and it's like the seized part. I mean, he just drives it right up in between them. He, he gets up close to the front guys. He switches down to the second of the four lanes, and uh, yeah, classic move. And then they all wreck and, the C's part and he wins the race. Pretty cool. That's like the new middle, 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 Mike, the way he's going around. Yeah. Usually my new middle is uh, between lane one and two, but he went between two and three. 
All right, I got the next one since I tend to be the guy doing most of the road racing other than Donnie, who's getting into it. Um, they've announced the Season 4 GT Racing Updates. It's a post from Greg West. Um, and it, it makes sense. I was listening to uh, one of our other shows that, that are a little bit more road-centric, and they were wondering what's going to separate the ESS situ- uh, division or series from IMSA because they're going to G- GTE is disappearing and they're going to GT3. And the answer is nothing. So essentially ESS is going away and being turned into a GT class only uh, series so that the GTs will still be active. I hope that means they may do a little bit of updating on them as well. Um, but there may, I guess there's not really any updating to do because there's not any new GTR GT cars being built. Um but that's what's happening is uh, IMSA is actually moving to Class A license instead of Class B license. That's now going to be- become the top of the ladder, and the GTE series is going to become Class B and also drop to 45 minutes. They are still going to have the Global Endurance uh, Series, which is six-hour endurance races, but it's the IMSA cars. GT3 only. I'm, I'm kind of glad that they still retain the GTEs, David, just because... I'd hate for them to lose a whole bunch of content there racing. Well, I I won last week in the GTE. I, that Ferrari GTE is just kind of that, one of the most fun saying, cars right? to drive. Um, they, it, I hate the GT. I don't like the GT3 class. I can't explain the difference. Why they're they're so similar, but the GTE, I guess it has just a little bit more downforce, and the fact that it doesn't have the anti lock brakes, and just the way it just feels better for me driving than than the gt3 does i i I, I tend to be i guess biased towards higher downforce anyway because because of how terrible i am in a cup car but i've always liked the 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 ford gt in that class or the uh um the porsche 911 and that one feels really good too and there's a lot of corvettes you see on the on the on the uh, track as well yeah, that was a big one. And that Corvette was a big thing for iRacing when they got it. So you don't want them to, you know, when they when they did all that stuff, you don't it, I just would hate to see them eliminate like four or five good cars because of a series that disappears in life, right? Yeah, they, it'll be a little disappointing to not get the the multi-class experience, but eh, that's okay. Um, I probably will still try to run that uh, sometimes, especially if it's at, at tracks that I know pretty well. Next up, Brian, we have Charlotte Rally World. Yeah, this was a post on the YouTube channel for Bo Albert. Um, set a iRacing world record at the Charlotte Rally Cross in his Subaru and posted the video on his YouTube channel. So it's really just a, a, a video, you know, a lap of him doing this world record. And uh, man, he just, he makes it look so easy. Um, this, I, I, Charlotte Rally Cross course is the one I hate the most when I do rally stuff. I just, for some reason, there's a couple turns in there just kill me every time. But, man, he has this thing set so perfect. You know, he's going around these corners right on the wall, um, just just the right amount of uh, the back end coming around, not overdoing it. Um, the one, the one. There's a real sharp turn. I'm not sure what number it is, but it's it's back by a, it's back by where the camera hangs out. The the overhanging camera reaches out across the track, and I always tear destroy that turn whether I'm in a rally car or the off road trucks. But man, he just 
hits it perfect. Um, so excellent lap. Um, really impressive, the car control that he had in this thing. So it's a 41.135, the, the world record. And this this made me go look at my world records or my lack thereof. I don't have any. But I when I was looking at them, I realized I think it all, it's only a world record if it's from an official event. So hosted doesn't count. Testing doesn't count. These these records you see on the website are, are only from official. Uh, the other thing I, I kind of was looking at was like, what, you know, there's a lot of world records. There's a lot of car and track combinations. Like, has anyone ever counted how many car track combos there there possibly could be? Like, there's a lot of world records out there to be had. So I'm thinking, okay, I wonder what car and track combo that I might potentially be able to set a world record in. Um, I never really figured out the answer though. Well, if it's an official thing, that's the tough part, right? Cause then iRacing has to make that a series, right? Right. You have to, yeah, you have to race something that's available, right? Yeah. You so, can't just so jump like into a test. A world record for the cup car at Le Mans. Right. Good point. So there's, there is infinite amount of like, there's going to be a lot of combinations. It's just, because it's locked to being an official event, you're hamstrung that way to where it's not an uncommon thing where you're going to find an uncommon car to try and set one because it's going to be a common race. Well, while we're talking world records, Justin, this next video is kind of right up the same alley, yeah? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, TP Sim Racing tries to set the top speed record among iRacing cars. And yeah, I'm not familiar with this track. But, yeah, he picks it straight away, and he just tries to see how fast these things can go. It's the Le Mans Classic, which it's has a Mans, really yeah. long straight. With no, with no chicanes on the back, yeah. It the was Le Mans really cool. Death Trap, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing was, he never even tried to break for the turn. He was just going full speed and just ran into the wall at the end. But it was pretty, pretty fun to watch. Interestingly, and the then, prototype was faster than the formula car. And and then at the end, he ended up going from Le Mans to Talladega to try to reach an overall speed record. And he did uh, reach the record at Talladega in the uh, Delara jet car. I think it was 250 even. Yeah, it was 250 Delara miles an hour. Car. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, so when he was on the Le Mans course, he tried uh, a, a regular Formula One car. Actually, the 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 last year's version, the twelve version. Um, he tried the um, the old school Indy car. He tried the Jet car, uh, and then he tried the LMP, which actually was the fastest of the three on or the four at Le Mans because of the boost. It was a little slower until he hit the boost, and the boost really pumped it up. To about 240 i think it was 242 maybe what what surprised you brian i, I think the ir18 indy car surprised me the speed it should. yeah yeah that was fast that was the second fastest of the of the four um but yeah that thing was was hauling butt doesn't a fully set up to sprint uh prototype own the record at nurburgring you're talking about the hybrid porsche yeah Yes, it's an unrestricted Porsche that took it. Well, they also had it set up 
I mean, the LMPs were not particularly restricted, that, and that's one of the reasons they tried to phase them out. It's because they got so expensive. But uh, they built it to run a couple of laps instead of being able to go for twenty four hours as well, which means which so you can sacrifice a few things, including the power to go faster. I mean, including longevity to to get more power. I think because obviously there's a an energy recovery rule that they were under, you're hampered in the actual racing. I think that was taken away for that lap. They basically had energy recover for the whole lap. So TP Sim Racing, this is his YouTube channel, and he's also one of our listeners. He's in our Discord. Uh, His name is Tim Perry. He put out a challenge during the video to anybody to try to beat his his uh, speed. Uh, so his, his top speed, uh, as Brian mentioned, on at Le Mans was 245 in the LMP, and then uh, 250 at the Talladega in the uh, jet car. So if you want to try to beat Tim, uh, get out there and see if you can get a faster time. He's uh, he put out, out the challenge. He's probably going to see some guys, you know, aerodynamic some of these cars out to make some more speed out of them. Could you imagine the cup car on that classic setup at Le Mans instead of the one with the chicanes? Oh, you mean the one that went, the one that went <laughs> off? You'd melt the brakes after three laps. If you can even get it to stop the first time it got to that uh, corner. Well, this well, like I a mean, Gen 5. Well, no, the, maybe. I don't think the Gen 5, but the Gen 7 has good brakes. That would be funny. I, I just don't... It'd be, it'd be kind of weird because... Down that long straightaway, you're you're cooling off those brakes like crazy, and then all of a sudden you're trying to stomp on it, and then you're going to go down another straightaway that cools them down. That would be really, really, really taxing on a set of on any car's brakes. All right, we know that uh, both Real Life and iRacing Spa are coming up pretty soon, and we have something of a turn by turn guide, Greg. Yeah, so iRacing stuff. Dot com posted an article uh, just giving uh, tips on or a lap around spa with tips on each corner, the names of all of them, and, and just going through it um, step by step just to, um, you know, maybe familiarize anybody that's not with it and wants to, you know, to, doesn't know what to do when they're going to the corner. Um but uh, it's kind of a good little little guide to uh, to look at. It's like a, a you know a written out. This is how to attack every corner. So for example, turn five, Ravage. It says enter Ravage from the right side of the track, aiming for a late apex. Be mindful of the curb on the inside, as it can upset the car's balance. Get a clean exit, setting up for the run towards the fast and flowing section of the track. Now, is this a a two-part article because it only obviously it looks like it only goes up to turn ten on mine at least unless I'm missing something. Well, the turns in the text don't line up with the turns That's on the true. picture because turn five Ravage is actually turn eight. Point. It's the it's also sometimes called the the teaspoon I think or something spoon related because it because it's a it's a really highly banked uh, one eighty hairpin turn. So here's how he describes one of the most famous corners in motorsports, a rouge. 
Arouge is a legendary sequence that demands respect. Stay close to the right-hand side of the track as you enter, preparing for that uphill climb. Maintain a steady throttle input, gradually building speed and keep that car balanced. Aim to hug the inside curb through, through Radilon and smoothly transition onto the Kimmel Street. I'm wondering how long Arouge stays at Spa with what keeps happening when they go there with open wheel cars. They keep wrecking bad there, don't they? Wow, they just had that young kid killed again on a bad accident there. But they need to stop racing in the rain. So say they should just rain it, race in the wet, not the rain, right? Wow. Just when it's a little damp. I, I don't need Jeff Burton telling me that the track's wet here or anything again. All right. Um, I don't see eye racing colors on this car. Oh, yeah, dude. It's on the hood, isn't it? What do you think, Brian? Yeah, this is um, a quick hit from uh, Twitter of Ty Majeski. So Ty Majeski, he had an iRacing sponsored late model car and took it and won the Slinger Nationals. So congratulations to um, to Ty Majeski. Um, you know, one of the more accomplished late model drivers out there takes another big win at the Slinger Nationals in the iRacing car. You know, the Slinger Nationals and Ty Majeski are one in the same. I mean, he's won that thing a bunch of times from what I can remember. But, uh, you know, it's neat to see Josh Berry get his break, you know, as a late model driver. And I wonder if that's going to help Ty Majeski, you know, if Josh Berry does well. You know, somebody going to pick up Josh and move him up the ladder kind of thing. Uh, or Ty, I should say. Ty Majeski and move him up the ladder. Well, he's sponsored by iRacing, and Dale Jr. is a part of iRacing, and Dale Jr., the whole uh, concept of Junior Motorsports is to be a, a stepping stone. That's literally their philosophy and on, in, in the uh, Xfinity series. And didn't they just lose a driver? Well, yeah, Josh Berry. And they, <laughs> they, they were pretty celebratory for it. I mean, they didn't lose a driver. They they, they promoted one of their drivers right. to the cup ranks, and, and they have – they've pretty much are the go-to place now and everybody knows that's where the best drivers are in xfinity and as well as crew and, and other all right um i was uh lucky enough to remember to check via remote desktop because i was out of town till right before two o'clock because there was an update today um season three patch three tell us a little bit about it justin yeah we got an update here um it looks like in general, they fixed issues in the iRacing window that would appear to load, but could not could not be found anywhere on the screen. Then they messed with the paint shop. A new paint sponsor has been added to the paint shop. Screen to speed. Yeah, I get this one. The Steam users, anyone who uses Steam is going to have to pay $1 more for any piece of content, car or track. Uh, basically... It says, while direct iRacing purchases add the end user VAT and taxes to the price before completing the purchase, currently for Steam members, the end user VAT taxes are built into the Steam price and purchase system. Therefore, some direct iRacing customers may have been paying more than Steam customers. Because of this, Steam content pricing has been increased by that even $1 more per piece of content to bring the prices more closer to identical for all customers involved. So is that why people were using Steam? Because it was a little bit cheaper? 
saved on the tax, basically. I, I, I don't know what the advantage is. We've only heard disadvantages. And now that it costs more, literally, yeah, I don't, I don't see any advantage to using steam. Well, it doesn't cost more. This is supposed to make it cost the same. Because whenever you buy something, you'll notice you've got your price and then, and then you have tax. On top of it, right. so so if it's if it's eight ninety nine, you know, because you've got the deal, got the thirty, the so many cars club, um, you're still going to pay another dollar or two in taxes. Yeah, but from my, if I'm the iRacer on Steam and I'm paying, you know, eleven ninety five a car, now I'm going to pay twelve ninety five a car. My price went up. Yeah, but they and what they're saying though is that their price was was lower than somebody who bought it through the website. Yeah, right. Because they because the tax because uh, iRacing had to pay the taxes whether they got paid through Steam or not, right? Yeah, they also added uh, support for I, IPv6. That's cool. And it looks like they just went through and picked a picked a lot of little things to fix on quite a few different cars. Yeah, nothing major. And that's usual. The last. The the last uh, patch, or the third or fourth patch, are really odds and ends at, at at the end that have just kind of kind of come through. All right, before we talk about this next one, Mike. Well, it's not going to show up very well because I'm running a background. Yeah, never mind. That wasn't very effective. You can't see my water bottle, but uh, Dylan Macintosh has a different solution for staying hydrated. Yeah, he's got one of those uh, bladders that he puts water in that you like put in a backpack and it has a little hose that you suck on while you go hiking. He's basically installed one of those in the back of his uh, racing seat. And then so he he puts on his VR and he's got the, the VR cables going down the left side of his shoulder and he's got the hose for the water up, up on the right side of his shoulder. And that way he can uh, stay hydrated uh, while racing. Kind of a neat idea. Uh, I don't know about taking the time to insert the bladder into the back of the seat and cover it up and all that, but you put uh, yeah. seat belts on. Oh yeah, I forget. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know if this was a hardware software or what this was. So I guess it kind of sort of is, but we jumped into it out of order anyway. Looks too much like a colostomy bag to me. I think I'd pass. I was just gonna say I recognize one of those <laughs> with my father. But it's not for what you think it is. Wasn't it it Steve Thompson that offered uh, catheters for racing? Yeah, yeah. Nah. All right, the next one we already covered, uh, but it's there on the script. The Steam price bump, so we can roll past that. And that brings us to events. Um, uh, Brian, since Tyler's doing the Firecracker 400, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so uh, the Firecracker 400, it's the um, 87 cars at um, Daytona. Um, it started actually yesterday. They started running the prelim races. Uh, tonight is the second night of prelim races. So basically what it is, the format is um, there's a five-minute single-lap qualifying where they'll set up your, the field. Um, there's a 10-lap no-incident point uh, race that will get the, the next set of qualifiers to the finals. So whoever didn't make it on that qualifier fire race will run a last chance qualifier um and then uh then they'll run that the feature race for the evening and uh that will determine who gets into the main feature race and uh, there's there's a firecracker 200 which is for the 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 next set of cars that didn't make the main race so that's starting tonight if you like those 87 cars at at uh 
at uh, Daytona. It's a great race. A lot of big names are in there. Tyler's going to be racing with uh, Bobby Zielinski tonight, so that should be fun. Um, so, yeah, so a really good event. It's uh, held by um, uh, who's a racer, Gigi, the ones of Landon Castle, Parker Kligerman. Parker. So that's it's their group. Yeah, and they had some controversy last night um, with Twitch. Apparently, Twitch shut off their uh, very successful stream. Something to do with Twitch is not allowing you to Twitch to multiple services. Like, you can't go to Twitch and YouTube at the same time. Uh, David, you were kind of looking into that. Uh, what was the situation? Well, that's their new policy. That you can't you can't multi-stream essentially with them and a competitor unless you've arranged it with them. So, because apparently today they got a message back. It was, was just put in the chat earlier that um, their stream was re-enabled and they and and Twitch actually apologized to them. So they have permission to do it, but probably small fries don't. They've, they're probably making enough money for Twitch that it's stupid for Twitch to try to run them off. Hasn't run us off yet. So I'm the. Uh, so I ended up. It doesn't matter if we when, get, we won't use Twitch if they kick us off of there. We just quit using it. So. I you know I think they had like over five hundred. I think is what Landon said when they were on Twitch before they got booted, and then they reestablished over on YouTube on one of their channels there, and that's when I started watching. And uh, they lost a lot of their viewers. A, a lot of people didn't show back up, you know, to finish watching it. So it was kind of a bummer thing that happened. Uh, it was cool that Twitch made it right for tonight, though. Um, the other thing I'll say is I watched one of those 10-lap uh, races, one of the heat races, I guess it's called. I, I watched a couple of them. And the first one, I mean, irony, you know, Parker is, is talking about, Man, these top five, they're locked in to move into the next, you know, to, into the next event. And man, they just got to finish. I mean, it's not about winning the event, it's about being in the top five and moving on uh, past the cut line. And, and he, as he says it, man, these guys got to be careful and just bring it home. They shouldn't race each other. Next thing you know, one of the guys drifts up into the other guy and they wreck. And two or three of the top five wrecked out. They lose. Uh, you know, those spots into the, the transfer spots all below in the cut line while other people that were back at, farther back were able to get, you know, above the cut line. And so it was interesting watching that play out and how they talked about it and stuff. And so Tyler, our, our teammate, he's in a run on our, on our behalf uh, tonight, I think is where he, he's running in heat seven or something. All right, Brian, we're going to Volusia. Yeah, guys, so uh, this is the World Outlaws Late Model Series is back. Uh, started Monday night with their first event, Evolution Speedway in Florida. Um, it's uh, sponsored by Butt Kicker and um, has a $25,000 prize pool. Um, last year's winner, Evan C., um, just dominated last year. If you remember, he finished first and second in every single race except for the tenth, and that was because he got suspended in the ninth for uh, for contact. So um, he he missed the last race and still won the championship because he was so far ahead in points. Um, and he's back this year. Um, um, and I was uh, I was curious earlier, you know, with the the dirt update, whether you know it maybe leveled the playing field for um, Evan, and you know some guys might be better on the new model. Well, Evan wound up winning the qualifying, uh, so started on pole in his heat. He won his pole and won every single 
uh, led every single lap of the feature. So he's still dominating this series right now. Um, finished uh, finished first and uh, it was swept the whole event really. Um, Barrett Bishop finished second. Kendall Tucker uh, finished third. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's off to a great start to the season, pretty much the same way he finished off last year. And newcomer Caden Honeycutt finished 10th. Yep. Hayden finished 10th. Uh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a good event. It was really well run. Um, I thought they, you know, not a lot of cautions in the feature, which was good. They had like a first lap caution and then it pretty much evened out after that. I think the winning margin was like a little over two seconds. So he had a comfortable, comfortable lead. All right, Justin, let's hear a little bit more about the 2.4. Yeah, David, uh, iRacing presents the Race for More 2.4 National MS Society on August 3rd. We've talked about this many times, but yeah, this reminder is coming up uh, a couple weeks, two, three weeks from now, two weeks from now. Yeah, but we have, have, have we heard anything? I was going to say, have we heard anything from Greg West about, you know, for information that he's done in the past? Well, that's what happened on the race. Yeah, yeah, but usually says, you know, hey guys, if you donate this much, I'll start spilling some secrets or something like that. Yeah, I think they'll start doing that. They usually do that like a week out, maybe. Um, so I don't. I think we're we're not close enough yet. Gotcha. Is this an annual event that usually happens? This, this is, is a third year. year. Oh, okay. I think it had a different name last year, but it's basically the same event. While we're hitting the uh, events that are coming up that we've already covered, we do have this 24-hour spa coming up as well. Uh, that is next weekend, it looks like, July 21st through 23rd. Um, all the usual stats on the Times, D-Class, it's all the GT3 cars, basically. I don't think the balance of power is posted yet. It will be posted eight days. Nope, it is posted. Here we go. Uh, BMW lost a percent of power and fuel. Uh, the 488, same thing, except 2% of fuel. Um, the Mercedes is losing 1% power and 2% fuel. And those are the BOP changes. And then one more. We've got the Porsche Series qualifying, Greg. So, um, hold on, I'm just bring it up. The Tag Heuer Series, eSports, I was oh, yeah. screwed up. Um, their qualifying series is announced. Uh, it's a six-series uh, race or six-series event. Um, it's going to be at Hockenheim, Silverstone, Red Bull Ring, Watkins Glen, Nürburgring, Grand Prix Circuit, and uh, Auto, or I guess that's Imola, right? Or not Imola, uh, Monza, right? The last one there? Imola. No, that's Imola. Uh, just trying to figure out which one that is. Um, so if you want a chance to compete for uh, a share of $200,000 in the 2024 Tag Heuer uh, Esports Super Cup, the first step is the journey is to kick off on July 22nd. So I guess it's uh, open to drivers with their license B2 or 4.0 and up. Uh, the races will be at 1845 GMT every Saturday with multiple splits based on I rating. Top 15 score uh, or qualify may earn entry into the series. 
Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention that podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check us out on Discord. If you're on Discord, guys, you would have seen I've mounted my new oval wheel I got from Max Pappas, and I'm loving it. Uh, I had to buy a half-inch adapter uh, to make it go from three to six holes, and it stuck it out another half-inch, and it, it's like really close to me now, uh, close enough I can actually put my, my forearm up on the wheel kind of like Mark Martin does. Uh, the the wider diameter i'm just loving it so uh the look is really good and and enjoying it but yeah get on discord and check out the pictures don't forget our website iracerslounge.com we're in regular rotation at performance motorsports network all right brian it was fantasy at hotlanta how do we do yeah so uh atlanta was uh sunday evening race um and uh, it was rain shortened, um, and that had a lot to do with the points and how how things shook out. But it turns out that Donnie Spiker won the week, so a uh, hometown uh, Tafosi driver uh, won finally won a, a week at uh, on this uh, fantasy series. And you, you want to um, know what's ironic about that? Were you paying attention when he won? Was he happy? No. Uh. Uh-uh. He was what pissed. Happened? He was pissed because I called the race. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you won. <laughs> I was doing, I was doing really well up into that last caution. Kind of screwed me because uh, all the Fords got shuffled back. Kaslowski, I had him. Blaney, I had him. They all got shuffled back, and I dropped down to the twenties. Um, Mackenzie Stevens, who's not here today, um, he finished seventh. Solid, solid performance by Mackenzie. Well done. So, uh, an overall standings, Canadrian is uh, leading the way with uh, Team Dean. Sorry, D- Team Dwan. Who's that? Can you see that? I can't. Yeah, that's right. Team Dwan, Trick Dickel, North South Racing, and fifth is NASCAR Jetty 2. Jedi, Jedi 2. Looks like uh, Tony Groves is a top finisher of, uh, of our group here in 10th place right now so far. Donnie Spiker is in 11th, though. Typical restrictor plate kind of race. Uh, I, a lot of people liked it. Um, I think the, the asphalt aging faster than expected. I think, um, what do you guys think about them shortening these speedway tracks or speedway like tracks to make it more intense because that's what made that race exciting it was not it was not the length it was the uncertainty of when the race was going to end they didn't know really if they were going to be 10 to go or 5 to go or 30 to go if you want this kind of uncertainty and this kind of racing you're going to have to put it in a little secret envelope that only one guy knows how long the race lasts and just let them all guess because that's what created the intensity not the fact that it was a shorter race think about some of the all-star races and how dull they can be they're 20 lap shootouts right well that's a good point. I mean, if you say it's a 300 miles instead of 400 and they know that they're just going to ride around for a shorter amount of laps before they go racing, just like they do now. Yeah. They just they're they're ride around 50 miles of 300 
not pressing right. it. Yeah, and and you can't you can't make tell them what that dif- distance is in the middle of the race because that's what happened at um, the Chicago Road Course when they shortened that race. Um, it it helped some people who weren't pl- who weren't counting on it, and it helped those who just happened to be uh, saving fuel or whatever. So it was, uh, yeah, it it completely turned the tide of the race in the middle of the race. Do you think New Hampshire's kind of sh- uh, the people that are putting New Hampshire on are kind of shaking after the last two weeks of good NASCAR races, and they're going to the short track of New Hampshire? Well, we know that there's, there's still trouble with the short tra- track package, but got to remember also that one of the things that makes special races is that they're special. And how is something special? It's less common. Title idea. You take What's too, next week? Uh, you take it's New Hampshire. You take too much of anything, and it it can become less interesting. Are you talking what's after New Hampshire? Yeah, because I'm already snooze fest over New Hampshire. So I want to say Michigan's got to be. Or there we go. Now we're talking. I, I think I was telling David last night or the other day. Uh, why do we even go to New Hampshire? I mean, we had a drivers die there back in the day. Tony Roper and Adam uh, Petty. It's just not a great track. I mean, the angles aren't great. Not safe, for one. It's in yeah, last well, year. It started raining last year, and they didn't they didn't throw the yellow, and everybody wrecked going into the first turn. I think it. I think it's calling it not safe is is no different than calling daytona not safe all right we've had drivers die there as well well it, you, you go fast down the straight at new hampshire the brakes fail there's nowhere to go that's how those two guys died no those were hung throttles not brakes was it hung throttle oh. yeah it's before they put the kill switches in well i think one of them had a kill switch i think tony roper didn't but i think adam Petty had it, it didn't help Yes, we're going to Pocono and then Richmond, Michigan, the next three races after here. Then Indianapolis road course. I didn't realize the two road courses in a row. Because then they go to Watkins Glen after. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, it's time for some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. We're going to open it up with Turn Racing BP2 button plates reviewed by somebody who reviewed it, Mike. Sim Racing Den, one of my favorite channels these days. And uh, he likes it. it, it it's what you call a button box for a wheel, you know, so like you take a, a race wheel and screw it onto this this carbon fiber, you know, plate kind of thing, and it provides you buttons that and paddle. Um, and why he likes it is it's really quick to switch out the wheels. Like you could take an oval wheel and attach it, and then with three screws, uh, remove it and add a, a formula wheel to the same button box. 
So if, if you're a budget-minded person, you can only afford one QR and one button box for your wheel. You can get different rims that you can switch out. This is a neat alternative. Uh, now it has a magnetic uh, cover that hide the three screws. And so that cover can be customizable. You can use the, the turn uh, racing logo. You can get your own logo on it. You can do like a track map. There was a really neat one that had a track map on it. Burgering. Right. And so you just pull off that magnetic piece. You undo the three screws. You switch out the wheel. Now, this isn't for me. I, when I switch from one wheel to the other, I want it to be quick. And that's why I have two QR setups. I have two extensions. I can switch between wheels within 30 seconds. So not for me, but it might be for somebody out there. All right. Um, I've done some telemetry studying in the past, like when I've done some coaching sessions. But Justin, what do we got here from DJ Yee, Jay? Yeah, he, he shows a video on how to break down telemetry graphs on to better your lap times on tire saving. You know, he talks about throttle time and brake and just really goes through and, you know, just picks it apart, simplifies it. Yeah, that's a great explanation. I mean, if you want to learn about telemetry, this is a great little video to start with because he breaks it down, talking about it, showing you visuals about what to look for when you're looking at this telemetry. You see these graphs, you see the different lines, but what does it all mean? What does it mean when I see the line go up and down and this kind of thing? And, and one line goes up or down before the other one does. He, you know, explains it in very layman terms, what you're looking at. Well, one, one thing it means is when, uh, Denny Hamlin can tweet it when he gets wrecked on purpose. Um, so obviously he's using the VR so, or VRS software there to, to show what um, it is. And I wish what they would do on VRS and I don't, there's simple explanations for like, like the little boxes there. You can get a, an explanation of each one of these lines. I wish they'd have like a video where they teach you, what each of like this guy's doing where they would go through each thing and have a, uh, someone going through what each part means, um, on that software. It kind of, it's not like it's a confusing software, but it would be nice to kind of understand it. Um, you know, in a, in a visual way by someone talking about it. Well, if you go and watch the tutorial videos, you actually will see that, uh, quite a bit because they have all that telemetry up there when they're teaching you a track. Particularly no, I'm the saying it's what it means. Like, I get that it's there, David, but I'm saying. They, um, they, they will use it to explain. They'll say, look at the throttle shape here. And, and you can see that, that they actually describe what the main lines mean. They'll show you how, how they'll use it and they'll tell you exactly how much wheel they had on it. And they'll, they'll put their mouse cursor right over the, the wheel telemetry. So some of them actually will use that. Now you probably are talking about going through every single detail, but they yes. they they do cover the ones that are the main the main ones. They'll talk that that you're going to look at it in a video like this as well. Yeah, because I'm talking about like when you're doing like changes to like wanting where the splitter is, where the center and the left and right sides and side skirts and like for ride heights and things like that. Like just go over what it's doing so that it would be, you know, for their software, what it means for their software. Yeah, this video from DJ EJ is more about 
just the throttle, brake, and steering trace, really, and what you're seeing when you look at those. That's really his focus here. Yeah, I was really interested in the uh, steering angles and the in the steering input uh, stuff because that's you know that's where you save tires and, and uh, you know when you're doing long run a lot of long run races like you get in um, OBRL that's where you get killed. You don't get killed on how fast you are. You get killed with how much tire you wear out and uh so this was a really good video that teaches you you know how to save tires and how to use this telemetry to help you do it i thought that was really good great youtube channel by the way this guy every video he puts out i like all right next up mike we have a rig review yeah i grabbed this one because wow i thought this is a unique setup because he's got a ultra wide monitor in the middle and then he's got 16 by 9 monitors on the left and right, uh, all with slight curves. And so it's a triple setup, but it's a very unconventional triple setup because no, because with triples, you're supposed to use all three monitors the same, same make model. At least that's what most people do. Would that not, I guess they would all have to be close to the same refresh rate and all that stuff for him to... Unless he's probably using NVIDIA surround, right, to do it instead of separating. So I want you to look at the center monitor there, Greg. Look at where the window net is on the center monitor. I yeah, mean, it's, yeah, it's like it, a third in. It, it, it just feels wrong to me. I, I don't know why when I see it that way. It almost looks fish-eyed. It, it almost looks like he should have just raced with the one monitor. I like the setup. Don't get me wrong. It just, the field of view doesn't, the window net shouldn't feel like it's in front of him. It should be to the left of him. Now, it, it almost looks like the center monitor is offset from the steering wheel. Do you see that? It kind of looks like it's cockeyed right. I think that's it's just it's over to the right a little camera. just because of that. Yeah, it might be just the way it's sitting behind you, right, David? But I just, I feel like, I don't know. It was is this a design choice or was this a availability choice? Well, it's best a forum post. Is, best guess is design. I don't. I don't. I don't think you'd be stuck with just those monitors. Or maybe he started with the ultra wide, and then say, "Hey, I'll stick these other two on as well." After getting the ultra wide. Now, Mike, on that second kit one, he does where it's all lit up with all the colors and stuff. When you look at the one on the left side, it's just a window net. It's kind of weird. It's just just window net. That's all it is. Right. Like, what's the point? But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to do this. I mean, he's got a great room, um, an awesome idea. I just, I don't know. I, I guess what I would do if I had that kind of setup, I'd run the ultra ride and have VR as a backup for both. I just think you should tw think twice before mixing and matching your triples. All right, next up, Track Racer has announced that they're launching their own direct drive wheelbase in Q3. It looks like they're going to be 13 newton meters and 20 newton meters. And that's Q3 of 2024, actually. Ooh, that's that's a like ways over off. a year away. Um, question is, are they late to the party? Yeah. There's a lot of people doing direct drives now. They're just trying to next one. Well, if you look at their list there, look, you can see all the direct drives. And it doesn't look like it's competing in that space like the um, 
Fanatec and Moza with the real entry levels, you know, that are like uh, five to eight newt meters. Because um, these, these two come in at 13 and 20 that they're announcing. And uh, I, I don't I don't think they would probably hit that price point with those um, those power bases that power. Yeah, that's middle upper for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll be talking about it in about a year, I guess. What about the uh, pro racing simulated simuladores? Justin, that's right, Brazilian manufacturer Pro Racing Simuladores has an assortment of their direct drive wheelbases to choose from. I thought I knew every direct drive that was made until I saw these. It sounds like everybody's making them now. So they're out of Brazil. They have a 10 Newton meter called the Sport. They have a 15 Newton meter called the Pro. I'm curious where they're located in Brazil. I go to Sao Paulo twice a year with my wife. Huh, this is interesting. It's cool. Uh, so Justin, know. you definitely want to follow them on uh, Instagram. I do. And, and that's how I ended up seeing this stuff. But they sell all kinds of sim equipment. They have pedals and different things. I wonder the price point and re-eyes for them. Huh. I'll look. Yeah, they're expensive. They're four, five, seven, twelve, and sixteen thousand. But you can re-eyes, but the exchange rate goes between three to five dollars through American money. So our one dollar turns into five re-eyes over there. It used to. It's back down a little bit. It's probably like three and a quarter now. So you're looking at one. Thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four and five thousand, maybe five thousand top line. How expensive is the most expensive Simu Cube? It's not five thousand. A lot what, of money, huh? Twenty-eight. Yeah, the ex- exchange rate's four eighty right now. Yeah, so that's six. That the one six that uh, no, it's four thousand dollars. This is the biggest one. That's a power cord thing that comes off the side of it's kind of crazy looking too what kind of uh outlets do they have over there justin it's um so you know how our so it looks they're all cylinder looking things they're not straight prongs if that makes sense it kind of looks like england i think yeah these have the cylinder thing coming off the the base actually it looks like yeah, pretty cool. Oh, yeah, so here's a list. They have the 7, the 10, the 15, the 21, and the 28 Newton meter. Is 28 one of the highest Newton meters? Like, yeah, on the market? 30 yeah, is uh, semi-cube ultimate. Mine, my uh, pro is 25. Man, that seems really, 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 really high for the price. I wouldn't want to know what the shipping would be for that either. wouldn't be any more than from Europe. I don't see why it would be, because... You know, it's just going up the coast instead of across the ocean. Next up, we're going to jump back to the cheaper side of the market. We have Simjack Pro Pedals, which is a load cell. What? Okay, this is confusing. It says load cell HE hydraulic pedal. What does that mean? I don't think they're hydraulic, but that's what it says on the website. But it is AliExpress. <laughs> I kind of was hoping uh, McKinsey would be here because remember, uh, McKinsey asked us. Uh, the group in the chat one one day, hey, should I buy Simjack? And I don't think anyone responded to him, so I don't think he did. <laughs> Does HE mean high efficiency hydraulic pedal? 
maybe, but I, I think what they're calling hydraulic is just the that uh, just the the damper cylinder, which is not really what you get with real hydraulic pedals. I think something's lost in translation. Remember, AliExpress is China, and you're buying a, something from China, and I bet you they there's something's lost in translation because these are definitely not hydraulic, not from what the pictures I see. They they just have a basic load cell piston. Right. Setup. Right. It's a load cell pedal. So even though the description says the word hydraulic, there's nothing hydraulic here. Two hundred and one dollars for three of them. No base plate. They're uh, pretty cheap right now. There are what, uh, or is it just one pedal? Is it? I don't know. It's showing the whole thing is fifty percent off. Yeah, fifty percent off, or you get you know clutch, brake, and throttle. $230 Canadian. Not bad. I, mean, I wouldn't get particularly excited about it, though. Um, what about this wheel, Brian? What do you think of it? You get excited about it? Well, not especially. Um, it's a VRS, a direct pro, direct, direct force pro uh, formula wheel. It was um, reviewed here. We have the video from Boosted Media. So uh, Will Ford uh, goes through it. Um, he did. He did like it. His biggest thing was um, the cost seems out of whack. Um, he he figures based on the quality, the build quality, and the um, and what this wheel offers, it should be about a hundred dollars less. He thinks, and in, in uh, U.S. dollars. Um, and I kind of agree with him because when this did first come out and we looked at it, it seemed high to me for, for what it is. It doesn't have a, it's a no LCD, LED screen or anything like that. Um, I think he compared it to the, uh, not the cube controls. Is it the Asher one, Mike? Did, he, did you see this, that part? Yeah, the Asher V3. Yeah, the Asher V3. Um, sim similar to that, um, but just the price he thought was a little high. Yeah, I think Will was being nice. Um, I mean, he nicely said this wheel is overpriced. It's a good wheel, but when you compare it in the market to similar offerings, and the, the, what he compared to was, like I said, the Asher V3. He also compared it to the uh, the Grid by SimLabs MPX, I believe it's called, which is that one wheel without the without a display, a formula wheel without display. And, you know, looking at those two wheels, I, those are really a better value. Right. And I, I think that's a tiny bit of flex to it, too, is the other thing. It, it, they use plastic instead of metal and carbon, I think, for the actual frame of it. And there's a hair of, like, you can hear it creak, uh, creak a little when he twists it. Uh, but he said during racing, you probably won't notice it. I, the other thing that threw him off on this review was the price of this formula wheel costs more than the direct drive base that it goes with. And it costs more than the pedals that they offer as well. So it's the most expensive product that VRS offers. They have a, they have a nice a competitive wheelbase. They have really good competitive load cell pel pedals. In fact, I think Will said those are probably the best load cell pedals he's ever tested. And he said something along those lines. Um, but yeah, I think he feels like this one's a little over overpriced for what it is. I'm going to uh, digress and throw in uh, one more topic here for hardware. 
a guy on Facebook in one of our sim racing Facebook groups uh, was asking about, man, is there any place I can go and try some sim racing hardware? I'm, I'm interested in, in buying into iRacing, but I really want to try it before I buy it kind of thing. Several people chimed in, hey, there's no such thing. There's no way to really do that, blah, blah, blah. I chimed in, found out he's local to me. I said, dude, I'm open to people coming over and trying my stuff. Why don't you come on over? And sure enough, he hit me up on the DM and he came over to my house this week. Uh, we spent two hours uh, trying iRacing. Uh, he got to try um, all the different cars, you know, different styles, road car, oval car. I think I mentioned this last week and he came to visit. Well, it didn't take him long after the two-hour visit. He hit me up again and said, hey, I, I got a budget of about 7000 uh, I want you to help me put together an equipment list. And so me and Bobby have been working with him for the last several days on an equipment list, uh, trying to come up with uh, what he's going to buy. And he actually started ordering yesterday. And so uh, he's a great guy, and I'm probably going to talk about his journey as he goes into iRacing. Uh, his name is John Zimmerman, and I'll tell you real quick what he's uh, decided to buy. He's, he's going to go with the SimLab P1X. He's going to get the uh, the computer uh, table, computer table from uh, Track Racer, but he's getting the mouse pad and um, shelf from SimLab. He's getting the uh, triple monitor mount freestanding from SimLab. He's getting triple Samsung Odyssey 27 inches. He's going to do the Cube Controls F Pro. Um, that was one of the things I recommended. He he actually was going to buy the Fanatec wheel, the one I think David has. And I talked him into the F Pro for a little bit more money. Um, he decided on the Heiskenveld Sim Pedal Sprint. He's going to get a Prisma NRP, uh, NRG seat like I have. Uh, with a seat slider. He's going to get the SimiCube 2 Pro with uh, two quick releases. He's going to get Corsair headset. He's going to get caster wheels. He's going to get a surge protector and an on-off emergency button for the SimiCube. And that's it for the moment. Uh, we talked about butt kickers and button boxes and oval wheels set up and some other stuff, but he's going to wait on that. His computer he's putting together is going to have a 4070 um not a bad choice and and he's kind of got it in a, a price point that he can afford so been fun that sounds like a good one to end up uh in the topics up right uh so we are cutting it a little close on time so let's move on to the results yeah nascar iRacing series let's finish up uh last week Friday open Atlanta P19. I just no luck with missing the wrecks. And I ran, ran out of incident points with about five to go and had to do a pass through penalty. Uh, remember that because that's a theme here. Dustin, you got a nice P4. Yeah, I just ran a solid race. That's the first one I ran in a while. Uh, just managed the race. I stayed in the top 10 and just kept it going. And that's about all I could get at the end was P4. 
Sunday Open, Tom Dryling, P3. And uh, don't have any details, but boy, that really cut into my points lead. Because I, I think my best finish at Atlanta was 12th. He got a third. He's uh, 600 I rating more than me. So yeah, I think this might be the beginning of the end of my points lead uh, diminishing. Um, so we'll see if I can keep up. I don't think so when he's 600 ahead of me. So I've kind of resigned myself to lose the lead to Tom because he is a, a great driver. Justin, P2. Yeah, that's, I actually, this was one of the funnest races I ever had. And I raced with Tom. Uh, I just stayed locked on his bumper the whole race. We had, a, we had a quick caution the first 25 laps, I think. Then it went green flag stops after that. And we just stayed locked on. Then eventually we came to a green white checkered and, and I couldn't get connected to Tom and they're at the last corner and I, I kind of stole um, second from him a little bit, but that was a good race. I loved it. Uh, moving on to New Hampshire Wednesday Open, I got a P18 after a drive-through penalty near the end after spinning on my own and getting five minutes damage. I uh, ran out of incident points, drive-through penalty. David, P disconnected. Yeah, um, I wasn't going to have a super finish, but I was running 24th as the car 32. It was a really tough split, top split. Um, so it was mediocre mid-pack speed. Um, and we're taking a wave around with a after a late caution. Um, so we're all going to get back on the back on the lead lap and not get lapped again because there's only like 20 laps left. And boom, it, everybody just disappears. And it wasn't come it wasn't come and goes and come and goes it just instantly kicked me uh never lost team speak you guys heard me cry, saying oh no oh no because i knew it, everybody just disappeared um don't i don't know what the deal was but boom everybody was gone uh and i just i didn't even try to get back on i, I heard it was pretty um pretty gnarly with a bunch of restarts towards the end there anyway but uh yeah just the the uh the bad luck streak is starting to kick back in as you'll see later all right and teammate kyle pendygraft he got a p3 r24 started p5 it just held myself in that top five but got as high as second on two different occasions pitted off sequence to try to gain a grip advantage worked my way back from 11th after pitting had a sniff at the lead on the second green line checker when the leader drove in too deep into turn one but he was able to throttle off the corner and keep it had one small swipe during a wreck around midway, but that gave me only 4x of the night. And after surviving 22 cautions and 88 laps to come home with a P3, with only 4x, that's the next best thing. A podium is a win in my book. Justin, P33. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I ended up rage quitting. I don't usually act like that, Mike, but... Uh... Yeah, I was minding my own business. So we weren't too far into the race. I seen the wreck happen in front of me, and I was going maybe 30 mile an hour in third gear. And that whoever it was thought he could still save it and didn't hold his brakes and full throttled it. And uh, I got the meatball, and I was like, I'm done. Yeah, sometimes anger takes over. You just, I'm not even going to try to drive this thing back. I'm out of here. Chris ran with us. Uh, Chris. Our new teammate, uh, he got P13. Race was filled with cautions and sloppy racing. Played with the survival approach to finish P13. Thursday open, David, P21. 
Yeah, I was the only one on this morning because you were busy doing uh, doing work stuff. Uh, it was top split again. I was a higher number this time, so it wasn't as tough of a field, but it was more of the same crap. Uh, I got caught up in somebody else's mess on lap 17, squeezed into the inside wall trying to avoid everybody. Um, got a meatball for 30 seconds and went a lap down fixing that. Uh, stayed a lap down for a long time. I, I had five minutes of optional. Wheel wasn't straight, so it, I was... I had good speed for 20 laps, and then it was just basically I might as well have been Mike driving because when we had a long run, I had 30% left on the right front. So it was with the toe being out, it was it was just eating up the right front. Um, and a pretty irritating race as well as I had a, a certain driver that was a lead lap car running mid-pack dive bomb and, and, and punt me when I was in the lucky dog position, causing me to lose a lucky dog. Then I finally, after the whole 150 laps, get back on the lead lap because it turns into a caution fest. Um, And the same guy goes crazy and dive bombs uh, all the way down into the lower lane and can't stick it. I sent him a message saying, man, you're a dirty driver. That was some stupid stuff you did. And he just said, yes, I am. I'll see you. So, um, you know, I, I almost, almost respect that, but uh, I'm not going to respect him when I see him on the track the next time. He's going to be marked in red. Already done. All right. I ran a road course FIAF4 car at Watkins Glen. I actually went off track about lap four and wrecked really hard and destroyed the car. I thought I was ready for that race. I did a few practice. I could make it around the track, but... Apparently, I wasn't ready enough. Uh, I feel like every time I, I get in this car, I end up wrecked. So I, I'm just giving up I rating every single time. So I'm kind of, I might reevaluate running this series. I've been running a, once a week in this series trying to, to get through the season, but uh, I might give it up because I'm just not having any luck. Kyle uh, Pendigraph run an A open. Uh, he got a P12. Use this race on Tuesday to kick down the set and get a feel for the track and the grip level. Race was going well, holding a top five for the majority of the race. Car felt strong and planted, but other drivers weren't so planted and kind of ruined my race, giving me three minutes of damage and clocking my wheel far left. Limped it home to a P12. And that's it. Final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, settling back in after uh, a little long vacation there and uh, I'm looking forward to watching Tyler tonight and on the uh, firecracker race. So I'm going to wish him good luck now and uh, I'll, I'll hang out and watch him for the rest of the evening. Tyler, David Hall, final thoughts. I'll just say good luck to Tyler. All right. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. I just want to get racing, but just haven't seemed to have a chance to do it with, love family personal issues going on and really haven't been able to string together much time this is the longest i've had on a computer in the last probably two weeks um which has sucked but uh um hopefully we can get some more racing done or i can get some more racing in this week or next i'm not sure um but you know tis life all right justin pearson final thought not much. I'm just trying to figure out New Hampshire. I haven't had much luck. And go Tyler, man. I wish him luck. 
All right, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, got the the sim equipment juices flowing again after trying to help this new guy buy a sim rig, uh, helping him figure out what to buy. But you know what? I, I didn't have to help him much. He did his homework. I was impressed. For somebody who's never, ever even purchased iRacing once, to know what a semi-cube is, to what a, know what sim lab is, to know what cube controls is, I'm impressed. I mean, and, and I think that's why I, him and I have become friends. And it's just fun to help him out with that. The other thing, happy to get my wheel up and running, my Max Pappas, uh, red, white, and blue with the American flag look to it. I mean, the way it matches my blue seat and my red seat belts and the blue accents on the rig, I, it just looks perfect. I mean, the size of it, the, the way it sticks out to my chest where I can put my forearm on it like Mark Martin. I love it and uh, I've only had one race on it so far. Um, I think I'm going to like it though. So, hey, with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.